Well, I'm going to start out with a different question because the first two services wasn't the, quite the proper question. So I just want to ask this question. And we're all, we're all friends here, right? We can be honest. Everybody feel, everybody feel good? Okay. How many people have ever been on a diet of any kind? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah, that's most of us. Most of us. Some of you were born. Do you know those people that are naturally born just genetically like they're just awesome? Like they, they can eat anything they want. No, what? I hate them. So I just, I mean, just I do. I, not really, kind of. Anyway, um, I've I've tried every diet out there, every diet that you can imagine. I've tried, you know, the plant diet, the protein diet, the this, all this. But right now, I'm on a brand new diet. I've been on it for about about a month and a half. It's the LGN diet. Look good naked. Yeah, somebody got it. Look, look good naked because I got a honeymoon coming up, and I ain't scared to tell y'all. I'm going to die. Woo-woo! Anyway, so I, I, that, I'm on an LGN diet because when you go to like a beach resort and you're a guy and you take your shirt off, you're a girl, take your shirt off, put that shirt back on. But like if you're a guy and you take your shirt off, you got one or two reactions. Everybody's going to go, ooh, or they're going to go, ooh. And I, I just need reaction one. That's all, I, 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 that's all I'm going for. So anyway, um, and I was doing good. I was doing real good, but then something happened, and I'm going to blame it. I very rarely call people out from the stage, but I'm going to do it in this service. I've done it all day. It's Kimberly Tanner's fault. Kimberly Tanner is our children's pastor. Now, let me pause and just say, if you've got a kid, baby through fifth grade, don't you love Kimberly Tanner's? Isn't she the, I mean, I love her. She is so great working with our kids, but... But it's her fault that I'm not where I need to be. Isn't it fun to blame other people? Because she told me about these. White fudge covered Oreo bites. This is the third service. We're going to open these up. Here we go. Huh? Do I have enough share? Heck no. <laughs> now, you want one? Yeah. You just call me sir. Am I that old? Oh, yeah. These right here, if you're on the LGN diet, these right here will ruin you. The, 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 now, the nutritional information on the back, eight cookies is 150 calories. And the cookies aren't that, they aren't that big. I mean, they're, they're kind of cute, actually. They're really kind of little. And, and, and look at this right here. See how big that is? It's not big. It's not big. It's just a baby. It's a baby cookie, right? It's a baby cookie. But my problem is that these are, these are like crack. I've never done crack, but like I've—I I mean, this is a second chance. So y'all, I mean, I'm trying to relate to people. So, so I mean, I, so the first night I had these, I got a bag, and I was like, you know, these look great. So I just, so I had, fi- I had five, um, just five cookies, and I just threw them all in at the same time. And you chew them up, you get that white chocolate fudge taste in your mouth. It's really good. And I was like, man, that's gonna be enough. But then after you, I got done with those five, I was like, you know, it. I mean, five more ain't gonna hurt. Five Oreos have never killed anybody, which they probably have. But like, five, before I knew it, I swear to you, I have. I, I did the whole bag, whole bag. I can go through a whole bag of these. This is nothing for me to go through this whole bag, and it is significantly holding me back from my goal. Now, some of y'all are like, I don't struggle with these. You know what? I thought about you. Because you struggle with these, right? Now, just a real quick survey. How many people, this is more of a temptation? Yes. 
How many people, this is more of a temptation? <laughs> All y'all smoke weed probably too. All right, so anyway. <laughs> it was just there, just set up. I ain't judging, I'm just saying. Now, the, the problem is that this is holding me back from, this is holding me back from my goal. And if you're trying to be healthy, this will hold you back from your goal. And all of us have those things, and we've got to have to fight through them. The same thing's true spiritually. I, I want to let you know that what I want for more than, more than anything in this world for our church is for us to see and experience a significant move of God, one that's so big, one that's so powerful that it literally changes our entire community, and it changes the people in our community. I want our church to be known as a place where people experience the presence of God each and every Sunday. I want that. I want that so bad for our church, but I want that even more for the individuals who attend this church, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching in line, because it would be a tragedy to see God do something great with our church but not do something great in our individual lives. And if he starts doing stuff in our individual lives, the movement of God will take place in the church naturally. We'll have natural momentum. But one of the things that we've got to deal with if we want God to do a significant work in our lives is we've got to identify spiritually, what is this? What is that thing in our life that's going to hold us back from becoming who God has called us to be? And how do we deal with getting this out of our lives? I'll tell you, I, this is, these are not in my home now. I can't have them in my home because they, they set me back. And the same thing that's true for, for us spiritually, if there's something holding us back from our relationship with God, what is it and how do we get rid of it? Because ultimately it's not good for us. So let me do a real quick review. We're in a series called Fire and Rain. Two weeks ago, we talked about a prophet named Elijah. Elijah goes to Ahab, who's the king of Israel, and says, it's not going to rain in Israel unless I say it's going to rain, which Ahab didn't believe him, and probably none of us would have believed him either, but it didn't rain. And, it, and, and so Elijah disappears, and he gets taken care of by the ravens, by the brook. And remember, the brook dries up, and then he goes to Zarephath, and the widow takes care of him, and her son dies, and Elijah brings her, uh, her son back to life. Well, we're going to pick it up right where we left off two weeks ago, where the Bible says this. Later on, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So rain's coming. We're going to talk about that in uh, two weeks. So rain's coming. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Now, I just, I just got to point something out. There's a pet peeve of mine, and I'm sure it's a pet peeve of most people in this room that will be honest. The Bible says in the what year? Third. I hate to wait. I hate to wait. Nobody in this room loves to wait. Nobody, nobody, nobody woke up this morning and said, God, I want to go to lunch somewhere today where I have to wait for an hour. <laughs> I hate last night. This happened last night. Last night, I called the barbecue place because I got a pregame meal on Saturday nights, barbecue and ice cream. That's what I eat, barbecue and ice cream. For some reason, it just puts me in the right place. So called in my order to the barbecue place, and I got this little system set up where I go, I tell them my name, they give me a thing, I give them this, it's just so fast, it's so fast, it's so fast. But last night, but last night, last night, I got behind that couple, 
They almost made my Instagram stories. I, I, was, I was this close. I was this close. If I'd been 50, I'd have done it. But I'm 49. I'm, I'm real close. I got behind the couple that they got up to the window, and they didn't know what they wanted, which is fine, except for the fact they were asking for an explanation of everything on the, they're like, so what does the barbecue plate come with? And I'm, I'm literally standing behind them, having a conversation with them in my mind, not out loud. Have you ever done this? You have a conversation? And I'm like, it says right there under it that it comes with two sides. What are your sides? Oh, my God. They're listed right, right there. There's, there's eight of them. There's eight sides. There's eight sides. And then I swear when they finally figured it out, which took 4.2 years, <laughs> the guy tried to negotiate the price with the woman. I'm like, dude, we're not at the freaking jockey lot. This is a restaurant. The price is fixed. Now, the real problem was I hate to wait. I hate, and somebody's like, God's just trying to, no, it wasn't God, it was the devil holding me back from getting my barbecues, what it was. I hate to wait. Nobody in this room loves to wait. I don't like to wait on people. I don't like to wait on food. And let me just confess you, I don't like to wait on God. I want to, I wish I had the gift of praying for something and it happened right then, don't you? That's happened to me less than five times. I'll pray for God, please, and it happens, and I'm like, Whoa, but most of the time, it's a process. We talked about this a lot of time, a lot of the time here. It's, it's a process, it's a process, which is why I want to go right here. Can you imagine Elijah waiting three years? We, we have a problem waiting three minutes. Like if a picture's not downloading to our phone fast enough, we're like, oh, oh, this Wi-Fi. First world problems, right? Can you, if I'm Elijah, about a week into it, I'm like, Things kind of drying up around here, guy. Not time. Okay. Day later. Ah. Get dry around here, guy. Yep. Can you imagine a year in? If I'm Elijah, I'm like, maybe I'm. I thought you said it was not going to rain, but maybe you told me I was going to feel some pain because I. Year two, it's like, God, I'm so frustrated. Have you ever been frustrated with God? It's okay to say yes here. Other churches, you might have to say, no, I love them. But yeah, I, I've been frustrated. And then year three, year three, God finally says, it's time. What I want to point out is during this season of waiting, God wasn't punishing him. He was preparing him. And th there can be a season in our life where we think we're being punished, but we're actually being prepared. I got a question for you. This is an honest question. I pl please be honest with me. Please. And the reason I say this is because Philip Cox in the 830 service was not honest and raised his hand on a question he should not have raised his hand on. He is being church disciplined. Um, <laughs> I, we're gonna, I, but anyway, how many people in this room could, now please be honest with me. Please be honest with me. If I said after the service today, we're going to go outside and we're going to run 10 miles without stopping, no walking, straight up, 10-minute pace or less. How many could run 10 miles today? Raise your hand. Okay, we got one back here, one right here. Who else? Who else? Who else? Philip raised his hand. He's a liar. Um, there, could Philip run 10 miles? No chance. No chance. Exactly. 
I know Derek could because he ran the last half of the marathon that I ran with me, so I know he could. But here's the deal. The reason, if you raised your hand that you could, there's a reason that you could because you're prepared for it. You're prepared. You've prepared for it. And when you're prepared for something, you can do it. That's why I love about Elijah in this story. When God called him to step, take his next step, he was ready. God had prepared him. Instead of feeling like he was punished, he knew that God was preparing him to step into the next thing that God had for him. And the reason I say that is because I believe there's somebody here today, you're getting ready to step out of a season that you thought was punishment, but it's actually been preparation. And you're getting ready to step out of anxiety. You're getting ready to step out of depression. You're getting ready to step out of worry. You're getting ready to step out of loneliness and you're getting ready to step into what God has planned for you. And I just feel like somebody needed to hear that today because I know what it's like to feel like you're being punished when you're actually being prepared. So, so Elijah goes to Ahab and, and we're going to skip a few verses but, um, because I wanted to get to this point. He, he goes to Ahab, who's the king, who was a Baal worshiper. And this is what Ahab says to him. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? Anytime you get ready to step into what God has called you to do, you're going to face accusation and condemnation from the enemy. Because if he can shut you down with an accusation, if he can shut you down with condemnation, and, and, it, and it's such an effective weapon. Like, so let me go all the way back, or let me ask a question. You ever been accused of something you didn't do? Mm-hmm. Not that I hold grudges, but Miss Rice in the third grade, <laughs> she's my third grade teacher. And I, I went to a Christian school, and my friend Brian Jones and I were standing in line, and we got out of the bathroom, and he told a funny joke. It was a dirty joke, actually. I remember the joke. I won't tell it, but it's a dirty, funny joke. Um, and it made me laugh, but I had water in my mouth. So had, if you've ever laughed with water in your mouth or Coke or Sprite or another beverage of your choice, it doesn't matter. Beverages do not discriminate. And you've got your mouth closed, but you laugh. What, what happens to the water in your mouth? Out of the nose, right? Out of the nose. Everybody knows that. It's true. So Brian tells the joke. I thought it was funny. I laughed. Water shoots out my nose. And Miss Rice goes, Perry, you just spit in the hall. I said, I said, no, ma'am, Miss Rice, I didn't. She said, I just saw it. I was like, no, you didn't. She said, don't you tell me what I didn't see. Okay. So tell me right now the truth. Did you spit in the hall? No, ma'am. What happened? Brian told a joke. Um, I didn't tell her it was a dirty joke. So Brian told a joke. And I laughed, and water came out my nose. She sent me to the office. I got a paddling for that because I lied to her. I got accused of something. I got accused and then punished for it. And everybody in this room knows what that feels like to get accused of something. And, and so what's happening here is Ahab was actually the problem, but it's real easy to blame Elijah so you don't have to deal with your stuff. So Ahab tells Elijah, you've made some trouble for Israel. So I want to teach for just a second, for just a second, on the difference between conviction and condemnation. Because conviction is from God, and it's always good because it's designed to draw us close. 
Condemnation is always from the enemy, and it's designed to push us away. So let me, let me give you three questions that I have to work through in my mind when I'm trying to figure out if something is conviction or condemnation. Question number one, is it true? Is it true? Um, Cole, our, our youth pastor, and I were at lunch one day, and we, we were um, at a restaurant, and the waitress knows me very well, and Cole asked her, he said, I'm just kind of, because he's, he's, you know, he's, he was still getting used to Anderson. He said, what's the craziest rumor you've ever heard about Pastor P? And she said, oh, that's easy. She said, I heard he was at such and such bar, and she called the name of the bar, and that he was at the bar buying shots and smoking weed. Now, I laughed because it's not true. Like, it's, I've, number one, I've never been to that bar. Number two, I've never smoked weed in my life. Never have. I've bagged it, sold it, and saw my dad arrested for it, but I've never smoked it, all right? And some of you here, you have smoked it, and I got you, all right? But I, I'm just saying, I, I've never. So when, when she walked away, Cole asked me, he said, did that bother you? I said, not at all, because it's not true. It's not even remotely close to true. Anybody that knows me knows that's not true, and the people that believe it, they're just going to believe it or whatever. It's not true. More recently, I had somebody um, inform me, you're nothing but a drunk. Now, here's the problem. At one point in my life, that was true. It's not true today, but it was true. And that's what the enemy will do with you sometimes. He'll do with it. He'll bring up something that was true about our past and try to bring it into our present. But who you used to be is not who you are today in Christ. So even though it used to be true, it's not true today. But if something is true, if God's bringing something into the light that is true, it's not because he's trying to hold us down. It's because he's trying to help us out. And so if it's true, it's conviction. If it's not true, it's condemnation. And what we see with Ahab is that the, the enemy was trying to condemn him. The second question, is it helpful? How many of y'all know that when you have a child, that the first two years of that child's life, you, you are just trying to keep the kid alive? Because if the kid can do something to destroy him or herself or the house, they'll do have you ever been to a childproof house? I remember before I had kids, I went to a childproof house. I never will forget this. I was, I was at a small group, and I went in, childproof, had the whole, whole house. I'm trying to get something under the cabinet. I'm like, can somebody help me? So I go to the bathroom, toilet was childproof. trying to raise the toilet. This is a true story. I swear to God, I'm trying to raise the toilet. I'm not going to go back out and go, hey, man, there's a problem with your toilet. This is what y'all like, what'd you do? I peed in their sink. <laughs> Don't look at me. There's not a man in this room that has not peed in the sink. I swear, and, and if he tells you he hasn't, he is a liar, just like Philip Cox at the 830 service. He is a liar. So, so you're, you're just trying to keep your kid alive. So, so just, a, just a question for parents. If you're in the kitchen and you've got the stove on 
and the front right burner is bright red hot, and you have a child in the kitchen, what's the child going to do every time? Go toward the stove, right? Now, you as a parent, you have a couple options. You can go, you know what? I just, I'm just going to let them figure it out. But that's a horrible parent. Would you agree? So, so you got option A, which is you can leap on top of your cabinet, come down on your child like Randy Macho Man Savage with, a, with like an elbow drop, pick your child up, scream at them what an idiot they are, how could you be that stupid, and throw them in another direction. Now, nobody thinks that's a good idea, and I'm not advocating for that at all. But isn't it funny we think that's what God does to us? Or we have the option of we can go to the child, pick the child up, point to the stove, tell the child no, in our best way explain to the child that this will hurt them, and put the child in a different direction. That's helpful. That's conviction. Coming off the top of the cabinets and yelling at them, that's condemnation. Conviction is doing the right thing so the child will not experience pain. That's why God convicts us of sin. He doesn't want us to see us to see to see us get hurt. The second or the third question, third question, sorry, is does it draw me in or push me away? Conviction will always draw us closer to God. It's kind of like when he identifies something and he gets us out of our life, it's like a weight off our shoulders, but condemnation always pushes us away. Think about the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. When the son came home because he was convicted, what did the father do? Welcome to home. Didn't push him away. So, so Elijah gets like throat punched with conviction from Ahab. But I love the boldness. I love the boldness of Elijah. Because see, when you've been waiting on God, and, and God gives you the green light, and you step into what God has called you to do, you can do it with confidence. I love this. Watch this. I have made no trouble for Israel. Did you know that sometimes you just got to speak the truth out loud? I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I got to say it out loud. I, I have learned to walk and talk, at the, and sometimes I got to, that I am, this is who I am in Christ. And that Now, now sometimes you got to whisper it, because when you're in public and you're talking to yourself, it's weird. Like when you're walking around Target going, I know who I am in Christ. People at Target, at Walmart, you're fine, because everybody's talking to themselves. But like at Target, people think you're weird. So sometimes you just got to say it out loud. I know who I am in Christ. I am, I am, my sins are paid for. I am forgiven. I am a child. Like you got, so I love the fact he just said, I haven't I, I made any trouble. Then he goes on. You and your family are the troublemakers. I mean, if you want to get real, let's get real. You and your family are the troublemakers. For you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Let me pause. He called out what he did wrong. He didn't say, you're a pathetic, miserable human being. He just said, hey, this is actually the situation. Then he said this, now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who were supported by Jezebel. Jezebel. Two weeks ago we said Ham, or last week we said Ham is not a good name for a kid. This week Jezebel is not a good name for a kid or a dog. Very appropriate for a cat. <laughs> 
So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and prophets to Mount Carmel. So you got, can you imagine the boldness? It's him versus 850. 850. I don't care if this is John Wick. You cannot defeat 850 people on your own. He had to know that God was with him. But watch what happens. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. How is this a difficult choice? He stands in front of the people. He doesn't go off on them. He doesn't tell them they're pathetic, miserable human beings. He goes, hey, guys, here's a question. Um, it's been three years. There's been no rain. If God's God, follow him. Bell's God, follow him. What do y'all think? And everybody's like, you're silent. You know, silence is bothersome sometimes. I remember years ago. I mean, this is back in the day. When I say back in the day, some of y'all going to know it was back in the day. I, so different people do different things to relax. You know what I'm saying? Some people play golf. Some people hunt. Some people fish. I used, to love, I used to love to watch movies. When I say love to watch movies, it's like when you had to stop at the video store. Y'all remember that? And rent the movie, and if you didn't rewind it, you got charged 50 cents. I'm glad all of them went out of business. It's because they were charging 50 That's why. Anyway. So I, I stopped at the video store one time, and I never forget. Everybody been talking about this movie, and I hadn't seen, I hadn't really seen it. I just thought, man, this sounds interesting. It's called Silence of the Lambs, and I said, I'm gonna get this movie. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna relax. I was wrong. <laughs> How many of y'all seen that movie? That is not a relaxing movie. Hello, Gladys. Like I'm, like I loaded every gun I had, and I've got quite a few. I mean, like, what about gun control? This is my, I've got a gun. I will control you if you come in my house. That's, that's the rule. And so that movie freaked me out. Silence of the Lambs. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing for this message. And I'm like, I wonder, wonder if God is ever bothered by the silence of the Lambs. When he clearly points something out in our lives that shouldn't be there, and instead of surrender, we choose silence. Conviction over sin is something, as followers of Christ, we need to deal with. And when God convicts us, it's never to punish us. It's because he's trying to promote us to greater levels of courage, greater levels of faith, greater levels of trust. God's doing it not to push us down, but to draw us in. So, so what do we do? What do we, it, it's real simple. Is God God or, or is he not God? In other words, God's asking, what's this in your life? What's holding you back? From becoming what you ultimately know you need to become. Oh, and by the way, if you don't struggle with this, but you struggle with this, you have no right to look down on somebody that struggles with this. See, in church world, these people look down on these people. 
These people look down on these people. There's newsflash. The, the only kind of people we have in this room are messy people. So what is that thing? See, here's the thing I've discovered about God. He convicts us of things as we're able to handle it. Like when I first became a Christian, if he would have convicted me of everything on the spot, it would have crushed me. But God goes, now we need to deal with this. And now we need to deal with this. And now we need to deal with this. And as we confess to him, it's like weight comes off our shoulders. And we're able to walk in more and more and more freedom. So with all that said, let me ask you a question. Is there something holding you back from becoming who God ultimately calls you to be? Because if so, then here's what's beautiful. Here's what's beautiful. John, one of the disciples of Jesus, said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, what's this word say? One, two, three, all. See, there's some people in this room that you've been convinced that God forgives all sin except your sin. That's not right. He cleanses us from all sin, from all wickedness. Now, confession, this used to confuse me because I'd be like, why I got to confess to God? Does he not know? But confession is not information. It's agreement. Confession is where we say, you know what, God? I have this issue in my life. This is what you say about it, and I'm agreeing with you. And there is power. Don't miss this. There is power when we come into agreement with God. Because that means we're starting to see things the way God sees them. We're starting to view things the way God views them. We're starting to feel about things the way God feels about them. And that's always a good thing. See, condemnation pushes us down, but confession, it actually builds us up. And so one of the prayers that I've taught, I've tried to teach, and one of the prayers I pray is, God, teach me to see things the way you see things. So if you're feeling conviction over something, let me pause. If you're sitting there going, God, I wish that Jim or Linda or Mary could hear this message, you've missed it. You've missed it. What is it that God is trying to do? And by the way, if you're feeling some tension right now, please keep in mind I've been holding on to this message for two weeks. I get it. But I just want this to be a safe place where you can walk in and you can just say, God, you know what? This is who I am. This is what's going on in my life. And feel that freedom to confess knowing that when you do, God's not trying to make you feel shame He's trying to get you to step into a place of victory. But then there's a second step, and this is the scariest step. This, I mean, this is scary. This is scary. But because James, the brother of Jesus, said this, we got to take it seriously. James said this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's some people in this room, there's some people watching online, you've been forgiven, but you've never been healed because you've held that in. Now, I know why you've done it. Because church people can be, can be mean people. 
And when you confess, <laughs> you can get thrown out, tossed out. But I just, th this has been my prayer since day one. I want this to be a safe place where we can confess to someone that we're not okay because I know the power in confessing to somebody. And let me tell you why. Do you know that God has delivered me from the trauma that happened to me when I was sexually molested as a child? Do you know that God has delivered me from a porn addiction? Do you know that God has delivered me from an alcohol addiction? Do you know God has delivered me from suicidal thoughts? You know why? Because he gave me the courage to actually confess those things to somebody else. And when I confess them to somebody else, the power that they had over me was broken. Because somebody knew and was willing to walk with me through that. Now, by the way, if somebody comes and confesses something to you, don't turn them into your project. Just be their friend. Just be their friend and walk with them through it. But I'm telling you, when we find the courage to confess to God, that's step one, and then confess to others, the power of sin is broken in our life and we can walk in brand new freedom. So saying that in just a few minutes, um, during the invitation, I'm going to offer you an opportunity to confess to God what that thing, that thing that's holding you back. But if you feel like you need to confess to others, if you feel like you need someone to confess to, this is the safest church in the world. During the invitation, every week, not just this week, but every week as we're standing, if you feel like you need someone to pray with you or for you, you can step out of your aisle and walk out the back doors. And there are people on our prayer and care team that would love to pray with you pray for you about whatever God's dealing um, in, with you in your heart. I just want this to be a place where we walk in and when we sing songs like Arms Open Wide, we, we mean it. God, here I am. And God, if you want to just do some incredible stuff in my life and me to walk in favor and blessing, I want that. But God, if you've got something you want to deal with, then I want, that, listen, it's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. And if God's dealing with us, it's because he wants to draw us closer. So let's keep that in mind as we enter into our invitation. Would you stand with me for prayer? Jesus, I want to thank you that you love us enough to tell us when the stove is hot. You love us enough to pick us up and turn us away. You love us enough to send us in another direction. You love us enough, Jesus, to identify what can hold us back from becoming who you've called us to be. So, Father, I pray over these next few moments that we would feel the freedom. And right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you just need to confess that thing to God. And by the way, notice, I didn't list out sins because I want you to hear from the Holy Spirit. Maybe God is is dealing with you right now. That's not, a, that's not a bad thing. That's an awesome thing. Maybe you just need to lift that up and say, God, I confess this to you. I want you to forgive me. I want you to heal me and know, know that scripture says he will he hear and he will heal. But maybe you're here and you need to confess to somebody else. 
I want you to feel the freedom to step out of your aisle right now and walk out the back door. Maybe you don't feel comfortable, but maybe you're comfortable confessing to a friend that you came with today. Ask them to go with you right now. Just ask, don't listen. Don't wait till after the service. Don't wait till five minutes. Don't wait till tomorrow. If God's dealing with you, go right now. Get that done right now. Father, I pray over these next few minutes, God, as we confess to you, as we maybe even take that step of faith and confess to others, God, that you would do something so significant in our life. God, that we would feel a freedom, that we would feel a release. God, and that we could really declare, God, that we're here and our arms are open wide. We're open to whatever you want to do. God, whatever blessing, God, yes, amen, we want that. Whatever correction you want, yes, amen, we want that too because ultimately, God, we can trust you and know that you want more for us than we actually want for ourselves. So God, here we stand. Our arms are open wide. We're open to whatever you want to do in our lives. We want what you want, Jesus. We want what you want. In Jesus' name. Jesus, I want to thank you today. God, I was reminded this morning, Isaiah chapter 55, your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so Father, I pray that each one of us that God felt conviction today would, would celebrate that because we know it's a weight that you wanna take off our shoulders. Father, I pray for those that know, God, they need to confess to somebody else, God, that some at some point today, Lord, today, that they would absolutely step into that. And right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never, because you've felt condemned your whole life. Maybe you felt like you never could pray to receive Christ. But you need to know today that Jesus wants to save you. And if you're here today, whether you're in the room or you're online, and you know that you want to receive Christ, or that's your next step, then I want you to pray right where you're standing right now. You just pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Take over, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, if you just prayed that prayer, would you hold your hand up real high just for a second? If you're in the room, you can just, amen. Anybody else, if you're online, you do the hand raise emoji just so we can celebrate with you. Father, I want to thank you today that you saved people. God, I want to thank you that you saved people eternally. And Father, I want to thank you for the conviction, God, that you did in the hearts of people. God, it's never fun, but the results are always amazing. God, I want to thank you for the conviction you did in my life, God, for showing me the steps I need to take. Father, I pray for each and every person today, God, that as we walk out of this place, we would not walk out with our heads hung low, but our heads hung high, God, knowing that you did what you did out of love. And God, we would walk out of here full of joy, full of peace, and full of the knowledge that you want more for us than we want for ourselves. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody in the green said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, I'm glad you guys showed up. We'll see you guys back here next week. God bless.